1: 7 after 11 o'clock, welcome to the final hour of the show. Today's a Tuesday, so the final hour we're doing our municipal watch slot. And today we're going to be looking at the latest report that has been uh, compiled by the South African Cities Network. It looks into the state of metros across the country. And, uh, you know, it's a five-year project. And basically it analyzes uh, the performances of these metros It includes Includes, you know, some what are some of the trends, the insights that um, we can gather from these cities? You know, what are they getting right? Where are the areas of improvement? Such an important conversation for us uh, to have. Let me welcome onto the show uh, Sitole Mbanga, who is CEO of the South African Cities Network. Sitole, good morning to you. All right, so sorry, it looks like we, d- we don't have uh, Setola on the line yet. I will get to him shortly. Let's take your voice notes.
2: Good morning. Uh, it's David back in Norman Cape. Uh, Luke man, is very strange. I was listening to the President yesterday uh, addressing those uh, delegates in, uh, in East- Eastern Cape. He talks about uh, factions that has to melt away very strange because he has achieved what you want to achieve now the factions must now melt away I mean the person who is the most functional no person that guy doesn't inspire any confidence in me
3: thanks kathy
4: uh, good morning Katie good morning
2: Katie uh, I want just to speak in the um, selection conference of uh, eastern Cape for yesterday the NC won't leave this corrupt it won't leave this corruption of them. Look, even the selection, the way they were doing, it's also corrupt because now the people that they were selected, they are selected because also they're going to select Ramaphosa to get another second term. You understand? So they are not selecting themselves by saving the nation of SA. Uh-uh. They are selecting themselves to save their own pockets. And their own families. They don't care about us. What they don't they, what they care about is the seeds that they have. It's not about we.
4: I. No, people are ah, crazy. ANC. Morning, C CKT. ANC people take us
2: for fools. They come on radio and say that ANC is not a corrupt organization and there is a renewal, yet they're using old, old, all old, the oldest members. Is there a president who came open and considered
4: that ANC is number one accused when it comes to corruption in South Africa? What
2: nonsense are they talking about? We are not fools, anonymous.
1: Well, let's continue with the show here. I was getting a bit ahead of myself a little earlier. Sitala Mbanga is now on the line. He's the CEO of the South African City Network. Sitala, good morning to you.
2: Good morning. How
1: are you? I'm well, thank you. So, you know, I was just talking about this report the, you know, latest State of Cities report that um, your organization has put together and um, how it looks at different issues that relate to cities including some of the trends that we see gathers insight uh, asks questions around inclusivity the productivity and the governance that takes place in these metros so when you look at the work that you do over a five-year period what is the purpose of this report holistically so once you're done with it what are you hoping uh, will really come out of it
2: No, thanks very much, and thanks for the invite. Um, Look, ultimately, as a country, we have uh, policies, right, Mm. Uh, that govern this and that aspect of our lives. And uh, given that we are an entity that is um, honed and rooted in, in the area of local governance, we produce the state of cities report in order to influence policies that pertain to the governance, of of local government generally and in particular large municipalities that we call cities or intermediary towns. Uh, Secondly, you know, how it is that they can be assisted to become more productive in the the notion of economic development and uh, as well as to become more inclusive, uh, in other words, to undo um, the, 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 the legacy, the spatial legacy that most of us tend to want to forget easily, which is the legacy of apartheid spatial planning, which divided people along racial lines, along class lines, and all of those things. And I think ultimately what we really want to to be able to do is to influence policies that help cities and municipalities generally to help them respond to the current um, challenge of climate change and become more ecologically sustainable, respond... I mean, if you look, for instance, currently we are facing two phenomena that are taking place at exactly the same time. On the one hand, we had floods, um, unfortunately, um, in, in, in KZN and mm. part of the Eastern Cape, and yet at the same time, there are parts of the Eastern Cape that are dry. I mean, um, you know, uh, Buffalo City; those those areas are struggling with water, and there will be parts of the country as well. That will struggle with water, and yet others um, have huge floods. So, so, so that's the intention of the state of cities report that we have produced uh, since um, uh, 2004. Yeah,
1: I want to look at the theme for this 2021 report. It talks about effective cooperative governance and an all of society approach. And and you know that there's a lot of expectation sometimes in communities on. Um, government that government should be the one to lead processes and and rightfully so because government often is the one that's sitting with some of um, you know the big budgets and they have the mandate at least from a policy perspective to deliver certain services so so why the particular emphasis on an all-of-society approach what have you found in these metros that that has led you there
2: and again it's not just in the metros only Mm. Um, but the lesson that has that come out from uh, the last 10 years of study, including the 2016 to 2021 period, is that even though you have a local government, in other words, government in, at a local space, as opposed to a provincial government or a national government, you can't govern a city alone, only as government. In other words, those that have been elected. It, what is clear is that, uh, by way of example, cities are running out of resources. Uh, the economy is at a slump, and therefore cities are unable to collect revenue from their household residents as well as business residents, uh, precisely because productivity is low. And therefore, for, for, for cities to be able to, 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 to govern with sufficient resources, governing in partnership with those from whom we are collecting revenue, governing in partnership with civil societies, Governing in partnership with those that are in the other spheres of government is something that we're saying we can ill afford not to have. So the unfortunate thing as society, I think post-democracy, we have tended to allow government to act on its own. Um, and And I think it's one of those unintended consequences of trust that we've had with government. And um government has struggled uh here and there, um if not more in, in, in more spaces, to govern on its own. And, and and so the need for partnering around how it is to govern a city has become very paramount. And and, and that's something that this report seeks to emphasize, that if you are a city mayor, if you are a A a, a, a municipal mayor, a city manager, Mm. you can't afford to govern on your own. You need partnerships with others. And they they themselves, those partners, those stakeholders, need to bring their flesh to the game and not just the fact that they are natural stakeholders in the governance of the city.
1: You describe the operating environment for um, local governments often as one where they're working under difficult circumstances and are in operating in an emergency mode of, of governance. What does that mean? What is this emergency mode that, that you have found uh, many municipalities are, are in?
2: And, you know, uh, I, I must say that in, uh, I've been in, 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 in the local government space for some time now. So sometimes it surprises me when there are people that are fighting to be taking a particular position in local government, you know, uh, and and, and sometimes you learn how it is that they underestimate that Mm. local government has, for the last 15 years, been in a very dicey environment. And we've managed to trace that from as far back as 2007 up to now. And there are three specific epochs that we are making reference to. In 2007, 2008 there was a a, a global economic uh, meltdown. And I think all of us remember. That had a huge impact on the ability of of, of municipalities to collect revenue because the sources of revenue were beginning to dry up. That was the first epoch that they have gone through. The second epoch has been the the, the advent of climate change. I mean, if, if you look at trends, and, 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 and departments such as the Department of Environmental Affairs will, will also inform me of this because they do the detailed part of this report. Climate change has really started to hit South Africa just after 2010, 2011, during that period. And this is where we've started to see uh, the, the, the floods that I was making reference to. Um, so it's no coincidence that part and parcel of what we're facing now is the energy crisis. Of course, in part due to failures in the, gener- in the system generally, but I think also in part due to the fact that we were late in responding to the advent of the impact of climate change on energy, on food security or food insecurity and the like. So that has been the second uh, a big uh, epoch because what it means if you have sudden floods or you're unable to supply electricity, it impacts on your infrastructure. Some of it very old, some of it in a decaying state, and therefore you're unable to provide services as adequately and or as qualitatively as you would if things were normal. And that has been the second wave of of, of of challenges. The third one has been the one that we have just come out of now, if we are out of it, which is the impact of of of, of the health emergency. We we, we call it COVID nineteen. But I mean COVID nineteen has really exposed the failures in the structure and in the system of how it is that our municipalities are are currently structured. And and it it begins to call for drastic changes, very fundamental changes in how it is that we have been supporting uh, local government, particularly if you're talking about cities who are responsible for not less than 65 percent of the GDP, uh, of the country, so the metropolitan municipalities are quite important to our own economic future. So as long as we do not sort them out, not only are they responsible geographically for the GDP, but they also most people live in cities as we speak. Uh, the, the the prediction that we released in the report is that by 2050, our population could possibly be hovering around 90 million or so. Mm-hmm. And where are those people arriving at? They are going to cities moving out of rural areas into cities. So mm. there's a lot of population migration, but there's also a lot of secular migration uh, that takes place within the cities themselves. So we just have to be wary um, of all of these trends uh, that, that we are highlighting in the, in the report. And, and, and these are the three waves um, of, 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 of challenges, climate challenges that the cities have been operating under. So it's quite tough to run a municipality. It's not an easy job. I mean, someone made a comparison, but if you were to take um, our metropolitan uh, municipalities and locate them in an institution such as the Johannesburg Stock Exchange, they will possibly be part of the top 15 companies in the JSE. And yet, the level of complexity in governing the the the, the accent to which you have to comply with X pieces of legislation Mm. puts a a strain in one's ability to take decisions with as much ease as you would if it were a private company.
1: You you know, part of what you do in in analysing these trends in, in these metropolitan cities is that you, 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 you benchmark it against the, the national development plan and also around South Africa to a large extent being or needing to be a developmental state. And you ask the question, well, what is the, the progress that is being made in these cities where development of human capital is, is concerned? And, and I'm particularly interested in the question of economic inclusivity and
2: social inclusivity. Unfortunately, unfortunately, we have just not been quick enough to become inclusive, or as, 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 as municipalities or as these spaces. So, in other words, the inheritance that we have held, we, that we have had, where poor people are located in the peripheries of, of, of the city, far away from jobs, still continue today, twenty years or so after. Uh, democratic local government now imagine that someone who lives in the most peripheral part of the city having to travel on a daily basis into the inner city either to come to work or to seek work and is spending no less than 60 percent of their small monthly income on transportation or mobility to move from one place in the city in search for a job into the the center parts of the city where jobs are located, that's part and parcel of, 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 the, of the key issue that we continue to bemoan, that we are still challenged with and we still are going to have to respond to. We think that if we were to engage as all of society into a commitment in which we transform spatially where poor people, if we could just find ways of locating the poorest of the poor through human settlements and better human settlements and locate them nearest to places of work, we would have solved at least what becomes their average 60% spend per household on transportation. And perhaps they will then be able to redirect that 60% of expenditure, household expenditure into other needs um, that they have as a household. At this point in time, the poor are getting poorer mm. precisely because of their geographic location. And the only solution that they have lies on all of us acting as business, government, civil society, identifying what assets we have, collecting those assets, and really especially transforming the, 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 the city in the way uh, away from how it was uh, originally designed
1: we're looking at the state of municipalities, in particular metro, uh, un, uh, metropolitan uh, uh, municipalities, uh, and it's according to uh, the latest state of the cities report that has been uh, done by the South African Cities Network. I'll be taking your calls on zero double one seven one four two double zero six on the WhatsApp line zero six one four one zero four one zero seven, and on Twitter it's at SFM Radio. The hashtag SFM Talking Point. Uh, we're in conversation with Satole Mbanga, who is the CEO of the SACTs Network. You know, Sitole, one of the things that uh, I again found interesting just going through the report was... The fact that South African municipalities are not the only ones that are facing the challenges that we have right now, and sometimes we can be rather inward-looking and feel like you know um, the problems we're facing are ours alone, or that we have it worse than any
2: other place in the world. No, that's correct. I mean, uh, I think we are overwhelmed. You're yeah, correct. Um, as a country, uh, as practitioners in the local government space, we are just overwhelmed by the amount of thinking that we have to do. We're overwhelmed by the amount of compliance that we have to do uh, with policy and legislation and trying to navigate and to try to be as innovative as possible within a very limited envelope that allows us to be innovative within the law. Um, I think we are just overwhelmed by the fact that uh, the problems of society continue to compound uh, uh, municipalities. So so, so so, there's a lot of overwhelming. And I think sometimes what tends to be forgotten is that people that work in municipalities are also human beings. And unfortunately, or fortunately, not all of them are corrupt as they are labelled by society. So some of the things that we have started to, to pick up is the psychosocial impact that um, uh, is beginning to impact individual human capacity or human beings that are working in the government or in the public space because someone is looking at you and is thinking, ah, that one is also corrupt because others are corrupt. And yet there are, there are quite a number of shining examples, people that are wanting and continue to lead by example in the, in, in the municipal space. Now, that's not happening only in South Africa. It's happening globally. Um, We, in South Africa, we are part and parcel of a family of local governments called the United Cities and Local Governments Association, which is a global organization that represents local governments at the global scale in the United Nations. And they continue to talk about the same issues. The United Nations, for instance, has a specialized unit that's looking at what is the best way of finding alternative sources of revenue for local governments, right? Precisely because we come from a system globally and not just South Africa, which tends to prioritize national government or other spheres of government as much more than they will prioritize local government. Despite the slogan that says local government is where... The, the, the rubber uh, 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 hits the, the challenges of, of communities. So at a sloganeering level, there's a lot that's being said about the importance of local government. But at a point of support, that tends to be uh, neglected, sometimes unintendedly, and perhaps that's most of the time, but uh, sometimes quite deliberately, right? Mm-hmm. Because there are, there, there are those instances where there is unnecessary competition either at an institutional level between province and local or sometimes between local and national or whatever the case might be. And in certain instances, just individuals deciding to compete when in fact they're supposed to be cooperating on how it is that things must be done.
1: Sithole so, I'm thinking about the fact that you know this environment of emergency mode of local government um people having to work under with very limited resources and yet, at the same time, you know there are consequences to this feeling of overwhelmment, uh, feeling of people not being able to, uh, you know, meet all of the policy requirements that are needed when operating in in the local government space. Because you talk about climate change, and we just take the example of KZN and the recent floods, and the number of people who lost who lost homes, um, because they shouldn't have built homes in those areas in the first place. I'm not just talking about um, shacks and informal settlements. I'm talking about, you know, brick and mortar.
2: (laughs) So, again, this is where we are saying some of these problems really cannot be solved by government alone. Mm -hmm. And, 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 And importantly so, I just want to underline the fact that they cannot be solved by local governments alone. So let's look. Let's let's work with the example that we have just provided. All right,
1: uh, Sitole, I'm going to do this. Uh, I'm going to give you a chance to go through that full example in a moment. We're talking okay. to uh, Mbanga, who is the CEO of the South African uh, Cities Network. You can dial in on zero double one seven one four two double zero six on the WhatsApp line zero six one four one zero four one zero seven, and on Twitter it's at SFM Bridge the hashtag sfm talking point and it's important to emphasize you know that the solution that we need to local government is not going to take place um, by just you know work from government alone it needs all of us to get involved and i know sometimes we don't like to hear that as south africans but we're going to need to put something into uh, you know we're going to need to give something back as well in order to make local government efficient we're going to take you to the latest 11:30 news headlines and musa standing by i'll continue with Satola and your calls after this
3: Well, good morning, Kathy. It's Liesl Wilson. Just after 11.30 in your headlines, ESCOM says it will implement stage two rolling blackouts again from 5 o'clock this afternoon to 10 o'clock tonight. The Power Utility says there's a possibility of higher stages should any breakdowns occur during the day. The family of 28-year-old Sekhofatso Pule has expressed disappointment over the postponement of the hearing of mitigating circumstances and sentencing in the case of her murder. The case involving convicted murderer and Tetuko Shaba has been postponed to July 28th in the High Court in Johannesburg. And Cricket South Africa has dropped all charges against national coach Mark Boucher, including charges of racism. CSA has will contribute towards Boucher's legal costs the decision to withdraw the charges was made on the basis that Boucher's accuser, former Proteus player Paul Adams, recently announced that he had withdrawn from testifying against the national coach. I'll have these and other stories at the back of the uh, at the top of the hour. Rather, it's back to you, Kathy.
0: Hashtag SAFM Talking Point.
1: All right, thanks for that, Liesel Wilson. Our municipal watch feature today. We're taking a look at the state of metropolitan univer- <laughs> metropolitan councils. Oh gosh, I don't know why I said universities there. Um, and it's through the latest report by the South African Cities Network. So, Sothole, you're still telling, you're still trying to uh, explain, you know, what I was asking about in terms of climate change and the consequences yeah. of that, where municipalities and metros have not been efficient in, you know instilling their own rules, such as where people can build
2: houses. Sure. So, and, and I was saying that if, if we were to follow that particular example, and, and let's just spend a minute on it, what happens is that people move from places of poverty. They come into the city searching for work and a better life they are unable to be sheltered, at least not with ease and with the speed with which they expect. They then look for places to locate. The first thing, those places will in most probability be near places of work. So the shorter the distance it is to where I can get an opportunity, I will locate. That's the first challenge. Now, whose land are you locating on? Is it publicly owned? Is it privately owned? Can it be packaged by the public authorities so that a new human settlement can be created for the new uh, migrants into the city? When that doesn't happen, then the new migrants will settle anyway and put an informal settlement. So sometimes it's unfair for us, especially those people that can afford to be shocked every time there's a new shack. I think we need to understand that phenomenon for what it is. It is poor people trying to eke out a living. Now, sometimes they locate in places that are flood areas so, for, for reasons of the fact that that land is, is cheap uh, or no one is going to fight for it. And when there is a flood, like the ones that we've seen in, in, in KZN, then they get to be flooded. Now, all of those things imply that the law enforcement liver of the municipality is able to do that it's and un- it's not coping at all the rate of urbanization is at a pace that has been unimaginable it has happened again as you said these are not just south african challenges I and mean, it has happened in, in 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 asia it has happened it's happening fast in the african continent and south africa is not immune from that and our studies show that the, the, the population profile is becoming younger and younger and younger. And all of these people, if you looked at the latest statistics of unemployment, the people that are unemployed are the young people. And therefore, they are the ones that will be looking for these places of stay that are affordable to them and they will do anything else. Because after all, they are anthropological beings, first and foremost. Mm. Right? They are not going to sit on the side and say, we are waiting for government. They are going to make life happen with as little means that they have at their their disposal. So it's a systemic issue. It's not just one issue. It's not just uh, the naughtiness or the misbehavior of poor people. It's poor people trying to make a living for themselves. And all they're asking for is to be supported. And which means that our institutions, our public institutions, including and especially local government, has to be ready for all of these things. And it is at that stage that we say there are certain issues or functions that really must start to befall local government uh, and human settlements. We, we are arguing is one of those functions that perhaps we need to start devolving fully, particularly to those um, municipalities that are proven to have capability. And I think we know that metropolitan municipalities have capability to deliver human settlements rather than just houses. Uh-huh. And I'm using I'm mm-hmm. using this to to say. It is something else to be given a function that is a standalone uh, function, such as human sacraments, when in fact, all you are looking for is a toolbox that has all the requisite ingredients that will then lead you to being able to deliver a human sacrament for poor people that cannot Mm. afford expensive uh, 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 sacraments. And and that's the phenomena that we need to understand uh, for, for what it is.
1: All right. Let me go to Numbulelo in Kimberley. Good morning, Numbulelo.
5: Hi, Cathy. Thanks for taking my call. Can sure. You
1: yes, I can hear you loud and clear. Yes. Um, I believe
5: that uh, the main solution to all of this would be a prior- to prioritize rural development and hence halt the coming of the people, the influx of people from the rural areas, mm. because the urban areas will never be able to cope with large numbers of people who are semi-skilled or unskilled and and all of them um, uh, competing for limited employment. They cannot find employment. They cannot pay for municipal services. The municipal... Municipality stays bankrupt because of a lack of uh, of uh, resources or, or finances. So, rather prioritize rural development like farms, like the Isdina uh, uh, farm project. Unfortunately, it was hijacked and it was uh, it was politicized and it was corrupted. But something. Prioritize rural development so that the rural people
1: stay in the rural areas. And, little, and, and and what about the fact that, you know, again, there is an appeal of the city. So um, some people will look at coming to the city as also being part of a modern world, you know, and, and, and they want to be part of that world. They will
5: see the lack of employment and then see, Compare it with the development taking place in the rural areas, mm. and then see that it would be better to go back. Especially the older people, middle-aged people, the young young ones will definitely not want to stay in the rural areas because they they think of the limelight and the the the, the, the bright lights of the of the city. Mm. But those who are who will have experienced poverty and a lack of job jobs in the city will see that okay, there is development taking place. There is land being made available. There are tractors being given to us to allow us to enable us to grow and to, to sell our produce, to form cooperatives, and become productive and and become have a meaningful life. They will then go back to the rural areas. The mm-hmm. ones who have more sense will see that. Wow, well, it may even be better to go back to the rural areas and maybe electrify. If government can also let, give electricity and. Uh, sanitation to some of those rural uh, farms and cooperatives it would be more uh, attractive for people who have sense they will then go back to the rural areas
1: tole what do you make of that suggestion is it the answer no,
2: so so it, it is partially an answer so let me let me let me indicate where i agree with mambulelo mm. our Rural development I think is, 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 is falling short in many ways than one we don 't have enough time to go into it, save to say, unfortunately, over the period, our rural development has been equated to agrarian reform which is, which is not, which is not the same so whereas there 's been emphasis on agrarian reform, it has not led to Sustainable rural development, and I think that's where I agree with Mulelo, mm. And I think by rural development, it's, it's it's about identifying what are the comparative competitive advantages of different rural areas in such a, in such a manner that they're able to contribute to the GDP, to economic development, the type of economic development that retains people in that particular space, which will then enable other parts of government. To ensure that there is a social infrastructure such as schools, clinics, and all of that that caters for the population that would have made, been made to stay as a consequence of rural development that is driven by agrarian reform. Unfortunately, there's been lots of gaps between that agrarian reform uh, process uh, on the one hand and rural development. And, and, and those gaps they, they can be uh, uh, closed. Secondly, I agree with Nombulelo but it's not rural versus urban. Its rural and urban because mm. if you if you, if, if you want to have strong cities, you need strong rural areas and and the converse is true if you want to have strong rural areas, you need to have strong urban areas because rural areas tend to feed urban areas with resources, whether those resources are human capital or food or whatever the case might be, but if you have a very weak urban form then that urban form is not going to be able to absorb what comes out of the out of the rural this has been articulated in a policy document uh, that south africa's cabinet adopted if i'm not mistaken around about 2015 called the integrated urban development framework which is very clear about how it is that we should be driving urbanization for purposes of benefiting the rural areas mm-hmm. so i think the issue here is partially the lack of implementation or insufficient capability to have the, the, the type of implementation that achieves all these noble objectives that are stipulated in the iudf
1: you know as you're speaking satole you're reminding me of and i don't know if it's if it's the same if it's the same policy you're referencing i just can't remember the the exact name of the project but part of what government wanted to do and it does go back to about 2015 round about there is develop new cities in um, in in rural areas, and some of it was linked to the economic development in those areas. So, um, if you had uh, you know uh, Midubie in 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 Limbobo being built, then you would have a, a city that's kind of built around that economic development because that's a power station that's supposed to be there for you, it has a particular lifetime. And you have people, engineers and all sorts of other uh, people that have to come and work there. And, and how do you feed and drive an, an ecosystem
2: there? I'm not sure what ever happened to it, though. I, I think it's it's perhaps entangled in the national development plan. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were suggestions that were that came out of the national development plan um, in, in which it was encouraging the development of new cities yes, uh, as, a, yes. as a consequence of, of economic anchors, such as the one that you are making reference to in mm. this instance, uh, Midupi. Um, and, and, and I think we have made slow progress uh, in, in, in that particular regard. But, but the other point that I, I would have wanted to make uh, in, 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 in relation to Nombulelo's point is that we mustn't forget that we live in a democracy now. So there's a lot of freedom that we have to move. Right? So it's been a, a, a very difficult thing to, 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 look, to, to, to arrest, for lack of a better word, young people in what they see as rural areas. They are all looking at going into the urban areas. They are attracted by universities that you find in urban areas that you do not find in rural areas, just by way of example. They are uh, attracted by the possibility of uh, a, a connectivity through Internet and all those things that are easier to, to to have or access in urban areas than you would in rural areas. So uh, that's why I was saying it's not a one-sided issue. It's both rural and urban. And that, in part, is the solution to the, some of the challenges that we have.
1: Okay. okay. L- let me go to Mad- Madwaka in Island and Data Madwaka, good evening. Good morning, rather.
6: Katie, <laughs> good morning, ma'am. Yes. Um, I think... What Utah Stolle has reported, in essence, is saying that government has failed. That's one. Uh, The essence of the report is unavoidably taken admission. Two, I think um, from a wide spectrum, uh, even if you approach it from whichever end, government has really failed. One of our problems, in particular, is related to comparing how uh, the different cities in terms of bringing forth uh, uh, decent living for um, um, residents, is that we tend to compare, or government tends to compare the West against the West. Even when we compare ourselves against international countries, uh, countries across the globe, we compare ourselves against the West. One example, if you take uh, the city of Cape Town, mm. in my books, the city of Cape Town is doing well in comparison to Manga However, the city of Cape Town is not doing good for the residents of Cape Town, you know. That's one issue that must not meet us. The last point, as I I learned, is that I have a sense that as we discuss these documents and plans, uh, some of us, um, we tend to be showing signs of lack of agency, (laughs) lack of sympathy for the masses that are currently facing hardships. In the morning, Toki was talking about the ANC in Toki about this in You can imagine what that means for a guy that does not have food to eat as in now. Mm-hmm. now. Now 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 I think really we've got a problem and it's a problem solution is among amongst all of us. The problem with us the community members is that when we participate in the state we get shot at, we get victimized. Look at what is happening in Portland. Look at what is happening in Guabataniba and Jondo. The workers organised labor has been offering support to this government whether through COSATO or through independent unions, but the workers' voice is not listened to. There's been proposals by workers, and workers are not listened to. The only solution that we have is not to try and make this broken uh, system work, it's to literally workers organize workers through COSATO must just abandon the agency because insofar as bringing pot, we into the lives of workers and communities, both in rural cities as well as in towns. The government has been pathetic,
1: Mama. All he right. Been failing, all right. Let's leave it there. Uh, thanks for oh. your contribution there. In Pretoria, Fumani. Good morning, Fumani.
4: Uh, thank you for the opportunity. Um, morning. Morning. I agree Good morning. with most of uh, your presenters. Uh, I'm rushing for time. Um, I agree with all the technical inputs, but this is what I'm going to say. Governing together. It reminds me when I worked in local government when this organization had just started. I was against it for the reason that for a developing country with a population, majority population, which was totally excluded from governance, we are creating yet another governing uh, institution. And at the time, there were people who wanted to change to the new, and there were people who came from the old order. And uh, it, I also, I won't go deep into what, the other reason, because it tended to stifle the growth of the civil service, particularly local government civil service. If you take S E Z that grow up in China and are exploding all over the continent, our continent. They rely on a strong civil service. Mm. Now, I think, whilst I agree with the technical, I'm still, now that it seems to be a re- reality, the cities network, but governance means the people. <laughs> so, entities and cities networks, how do they? Uh, work with the municipality so that it governs the municipality must govern in a representative way because it's about say, while the national government governs in a in a framework to link up the whole country, but local government is about people all government is about people. so how are entities relating to people and I will end it there. Okay. Challenge. I'll give myself homework. I'm saying, unfortunately, it's creating governance where the people don't even know what a councillor is and the function of the councillor. Mm. And 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 the thing technique.
1: is, uh, Fumani, these are such complex processes to understand, um, and 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 I think it it almost becomes it serves a purpose that the majority of people don't know how these structures work because then um, people can get away with not doing what they're supposed to be doing. Thank you very much. I'm done. All right. I think, all right. For money, we'll leave it there. Let me take a quick break. I'm, I'll take Colin after this and then we'll also uh, go back so, to Sitole.
0: A message from Randwater. Randwater has a long-term commitment to the communities that we serve. To distribute our high-quality potable water to our customers in Gauteng, Pumalanga, the Free State and the Northwest provinces, we use large diameter pipelines. Both the volume of water and the pressure in the pipeline is extremely high. We want everybody to know that it is very dangerous for people to encroach near or over our pipeline servitudes. A burst pipeline can be fatal. To know if you are placing yourself or your family at risk by residing near or over our pipelines, please look out for the Randwater beacons. The Randwater beacons are rectangular and are made of solid concrete. They are painted either blue or white. They serve as a warning of the danger that exists below the ground. Randwater, finding new ways. The Talking Point with Kathimo Sasana, weekdays 9 a.m. till midday.
1: We're taking a look at the state of our cities. Sittwal is uh, the CEO of the South African Cities Network. He's joining us for uh, this conversation. I'm still taking your calls on zero double one seven one four two double zero six. 714 2006 Colin, let me come to you.
7: Good morning, Cathy. Hi. Good, and good morning to your guest. Um, you know, I agree with that lady at phone just now about uh, urbanization and uh, rural areas, you know, Municipality, government, municipalities must also take blame if they're not building infrastructure and they're not giving the little bit of business that is there in that uh, areas, not giving them services. It's like Clover pulling out from a free state wherever they were because they weren't getting service. The roads weren't uh, 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 looked after. Nothing was looked after. No water, no electricity, things like that. So municipalities must also pull uh, pull their weight and start looking around and keep people where they can keep people Mm. and, and, and create work for those people because the cities in time to come, you take another 10, 20 years, the cities will have no more space for people like that. Now you take the Eastern Cape. I believe it's almost empty. Everybody's flocking all over the country because the Eastern Cape is so run down, there's nothing going on. And this, that land is, is lying dormant. Farming can take place. Educate and help the people, buy uh, implements, tractors, and things like that. And then they'll be able to. I get a lot of uh, uh, people coming, ringing my doorbell. I ask them, where do you come from? Eastern Cape and they're not youngsters they are quite elderly yeah, 40s, 50s, sometimes even older. Now they came all the way from the Eastern Cape to Cape Town to look for jobs there there's not even enough jobs for the people in the uh, in the area here, mm-hmm. in, in the uh, urban areas, you know what I mean? Even the urban area people are, are without jobs so the influx will continue if government and the municipalities don't pull their weight and get together and build infrastructure, build practice. Even if it's uh, a beginning, at least keep the people. And schools, look after everything. So municipalities have got a lot of blame to take. Thanks yeah, very yeah. much, Katie. And I
1: think in many respects, you know, Colin, you can't blame people for looking yes, and opportunities. Yes, correct, seeking you can't. Because, yeah.
7: because the municipalities is actually also chasing them because the municipality is doing nothing. The roads are bad. No water. Nothing. No lights. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing.
1: All right. All right, Colin. You, Let's leave it there for this morning. Zitole, so, yeah. let me come back to you.
2: No, thanks very much, uh, 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 Kathy. Again, I don't think we 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 we, we undertake, um, and then perhaps this is a direct response to, to to the last caller, Colin, and and that is to say. The purpose of us undertaking the work that we do is to understand how these phenomena are born, how they evolve, how they impact the sustainability or not of these institutions called municipalities and all of that. Our, our responsibility is, is not to exonerate municipalities from their incapability. And I can tell you, we can write another report about the incapabilities that are faced by municipalities or that municipalities generally have. So we can write that particular report. But my take is that writing that report, we have to do it in such a manner that we are not beating the municipality almost to death. As, if, as I indicated earlier, there aren't green shoots of individuals and initiatives that are there for instance there are municipalities in in the same province that you made reference to that are that have individuals that are trying to make ends meet under very difficult circumstances and they do achieve something however little it might be from time to time so uh, this is not about saying that municipalities must not take responsibility. I agree, I agree fully with yourself, and of course the point that was made by Nombulelo earlier, that some level of responsibility has to go to the decision-making or lack of, on the part of those that are leading these municipalities in South Africa all around, and not just in one uh, particular uh, 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 province. Funani uh, makes a point uh, around the need for a good civil service. The work that we have done has in part influenced um, organizations amongst others, such as the local government association, who are doing a very good work in terms of trying to professionalize The civil servant in the local government uh, space. And and I think perhaps one of the days it it might be incumbent on on you to engage with them and understand what it is exactly that they are doing to make sure that civil service becomes professionalized. Uh, Remember that when uh, the new local government system was put in place, there are certain functions that um, were not necessarily professionalised. For instance, is a municipal manager a professional job or is it a political appointment? And even if it is a political appointment, does it not have to be professionalised? And I think our colleagues... in the the local government association a better place to answer because they're currently seized uh, with with the the work of ensuring that the local government employee or the local government soldier is professionalized is protected beyond just being unionized and 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 i think they are better placed to uh, 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 to 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 speak to uh, to, the, to that particular point, mm. but otherwise, I, I think I agree with uh, with the sentiments that have been shared by your callers, Kathy. I've
1: got a message here, it's unsigned, and uh, this listener saying, Kathy, it's quite interesting of us to be speaking of people moving from rural areas. Whom of us are not uh, coming from rural areas to be using yeah. terms such as they, them? Are we now owners of these urban areas, or factors of production? Do we have <laughs> entitlement just because we came to these cities before them? I think we should rather be exacting uh, on government and private sector so that uh, whoever comes from anywhere is able to access resources and a better life wherever they are. There is no us and them. And I think it's an important point to make, right? Uh, and that's why um, what you said about the fact that we live in a free country. People are pers- are, yeah. are free to pursue um, whatever opportunities that they feel are available to them. And and the reality is that you have some industries and sectors that are so centralised to urban areas that, uh, you know, even if one were to improve service delivery in rural areas, it doesn't mean those people will stay there because perhaps what they want
2: to do is simply not available. Yes, and, and I must just... Uh, just on that point, I agree with that unsigned uh, 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 sentiment. I am one of those people. I'm a migrant from uh, the Eastern Cape in the Transkei, as So I, I, I come with experience of what it is to live in a, in, in, a, in a rural area. And what the constitution has done is to protect me to be able to navigate the country. And I'm only just one type of a migrant, a South African migrant from so a rural area. There are also other migrants that are non-South Africans. And we are all making a contribution. I think the good thing is that we've got, in the olden days, you know, um, the the civil society organizations had a slogan that talks about one city, one tax base. In other words, recognizing the fact that when you are in a city, you contribute to the growth of that particular city, irrespective of where you come from ultimately. And I think currently we have a very progressive tax system that says even the poorest person in a city contributes in one way or the other to the income of the city and finally to the income of the country. And that is the value-added tax. If you buy bread, 14% of what you have purchased contributes to the national revenue of the country. And, and therefore, you have the right to be there in the same way that you have a responsibility to, to behave in such a manner that you cooperate with others.
1: Sitole Mbanga, let me thank you for your time and for contributing to this conversation. He's the chief executive uh, officer of the South African Cities Network so much that uh, I think we've been able to gather about the state of our cities and just the role that all of us uh, can be playing. Um, because like you heard, it's not going to be resolved by just government alone. We need everybody to get involved in making local government work. That's where we leave it for this morning. Let me hand you over to the update at noon.